Morning. So, uh, and a warm welcome. If you're here visiting, this is your first time you walked into a church, so it's great to have you with us. Um, there was a guy who once did walk into a church to try to pray, and uh, he went in, and um, he's, as he's praying, he starts asking God a few questions. And the first question is he starts to realize, um, you know, the enormity of life and everything. So he says to God, you know, how long is 10 million years to you? And much to his surprise, he hears a voice and gets an answer. And uh, it says, well, it says, 10 million years is it's just like a second to you. Wow, he thinks. So he continues and he says, so how much is 10 million pounds to you? And again, a voice comes back and he says, 10 million pounds, well, that's, that's just like a penny to you. So he thinks and says, could I have one of your pennies? And uh, the answer comes back, yes, just give us a second. <laughs> It always surprises me when I pick up the New Testament to find out how much in the New Testament Jesus talks about giving, how much he talks about money, how he talks about all sorts of things to do with that. Of the something like nearly 40 parables in the New Testament, 16 of them have some sort of mention of money or wealth. Um, there's the parable of the great, you know, the pearl of great price. There's the silver talents. There's the lost coins. Um, many of them touch particularly on wealth in particular. So you have the prodigal son who squandered his wealth on wild living. And um, you have Lazarus and the rich man, the workers in the vineyard, and the different ones that get paid at different times. And again, Jesus taught about money. When he saw the woman put in the two, two uh, little coins, all she had into the offering, he uses it as a teaching point on generosity. You know, Caesar paying taxes to him, the rich young man, Zacchaeus, he sits down with the tax collector and they start to talk about restitution and how to, how to deal with money correctly in life, if you like. His famous quotes, perhaps, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. You know, you cannot serve both God and, and money or mammon, materialism. And uh, the way we see money doesn't seem to be the way that Jesus sees money. It seems to be very different to the way that God sees money. And we really do need um, a different perspective on how we look at things. It's, it's like a paradigm shift in our thinking. And it's as radical as thinking the world is flat and realizing it isn't. You know, that actually you can sail as far as you like and you're not gonna fall off the end of the world. Okay, an underlying uh, realization, an underlying assumptions that are quite different to how we view things. So in the New Testament, we have uh, a new perspective, we have a new generosity, and we have a new currency. So firstly, a new perspective. And I wanna take us into Luke chapter 16 which we've done before, but the parable of the shrewd manager gives us three remarkable verses. Three verses that kind of parallel one another. Verses 11, 10, 11, and 12, and with this clever device that Jesus uses called parallelism. And so the first of those parallel lines, if you like, is verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. I mean, that in itself is quite profound. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. The second parallel line is verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And then the third line, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And normally we don't easily see the pattern here, but Jesus is using this to make some quite profound points because all of those things that I've highlighted in yellow on the left all relate together. And all of those things that are in green on the right all relate together. 
So first of all, worldly wealth. So that's the, the wealth that we have in this age. Um, that is in comparison to true riches, which are yet to come, which is about the life after. And what he says about worldly wealth is number one, it is very little. Number two, it is someone else's property. And what he says about true riches is that it's much and it's property of your own. It is staggering when we start to really think about it. Worldly wealth, the money that we get in this life, compared to true riches, is very little. And the illustration that I love to use on this is that you know, we're all going for Sunday carvery today, okay, and we get this. We'd be a little bit disappointed. You know, that is all you get for lunch. Sunday dinner, and I get a bean. Okay? For me, anyway, I would be severely disappointed in that situation. One bean on one plate, nothing else. And Jesus implies here that worldly wealth is like that. That that is God's perspective on how he sees our money, if you like. Now, some of you might only have half a bean, admittedly. Okay? One or two of you might have two beans. Possibly someone even has three beans. Wow. Okay? But in God's economy, it is very, very little. Secondly, perhaps, and even more stunning, is this, is that it's someone else's property. We're thinking, that's outrageous. No, this is my money, surely. Okay? So what you're saying is the bean that I've got, which is very little, isn't even mine. Okay? And the someone else is God. He's saying that actually it is his. He's given it, he's given me this bean to see what I will do with it. Okay, he's given me this bean to see how I will use it. Will I use it wisely? Because if I will, then he'll trust me with much in the life after. But if I just use it for myself, then I won't be trustworthy for things beyond. So we're just stewards. We're just trustees, if you like. And when a trust gets set up, usually you find out what did the trustees want for it? What was it set up for? Was it to eradicate disease? Was it, what was it set up for? Was it to help this group of people? And then you find out what they want it for, and then you spend the money, you let the money go, depending on those criteria. And so it is with us that God gives us our wealth, and we're to look to him and say, how do you want me to use this? How do you want me to use this for your purposes and for your goals in all of that? So these verses give us a whole new perspective on money and worldly wealth. And uh, there are two opposite mentalities that you can have. You can have a scarcity mentality, which is there's not enough to go around, or you can have a generosity mentality, a sufficiency mentality, if you like. And the scarcity mentality goes like this. It goes, I have only got one bean, okay? So I'm gonna guard the bean, keep the bean, okay? Has anybody seen my bean? Where's, where's the bean? Make sure the bean is in a safe place. Don't lose the bean. Don't damage it, don't hide it. Protect the bean at all costs. I've only got one and uh, this is it. So this is my bean, guard it. That's the scarcity mentality. Right? That's most of us, probably. <laughs> the generosity mentality is, it's only a bean. Ah, you might as well have it. It's only a bean. Take it. You know? Let's take a risk. I might plant it. You never know. We might get a beanstalk out of it. Let's see what happens with it. Let's create some opportunities. And to be honest, this bean's pretty useless just sat in my own pocket. So I'm going to do something where perhaps it can be fruitful. Turn it into a blessing. And you might as well have it because I've got Sunday roast coming in a second. Okay, true riches, true riches are coming, much of it and property of our own, says Jesus here. Okay, this is quite mind-blowing when we get, of it, get, get it around our heads. There's a tribe in southwest Mexico, 
okay? And no, I haven't met them, okay? But they are called the Mazatec Indians. And there was a missionary working with this, this, this group, and they discovered a few things about them. The first thing was that they very seldom wish someone well, okay? So they, they don't just, they won't say good morning, you know, have a great day, you know, have a great day. They won't do that, okay? They just don't do that. They're also hesitant to teach one another. So if you talk to the village baker, how did you learn how to bake? You'll say, oh, I just, I just knew how to bake, or I've, I've, I learned it myself. They, he, they don't teach in that sort of sense. Um, and their odd behavior stems from the concept that they have of limited good, okay? This scarcity mentality. They believe there is only so much good in the world. There's only so much knowledge. There is only so much love to go around. So to teach another person, okay, so that they increase in knowledge means that they will decrease in knowledge. That's their mentality, okay? To love a second child means you have to love the first child less because it has to be spread around the place. And uh, if you want to wish someone well, have a great day, then basically that means you're giving up some of your happiness for the benefit of someone else and you can't get it back. Now we all sit there and we think, how bizarre. What a bizarre way of thinking. But it's my suspicion that's how God looks at us when it comes to money. And he goes, how bizarre. Okay, you've got no idea. You've got no idea of how kingdom of God works. And we see exactly the same thing because materialism blinds us. It blinds me. Um, it affects us and how we think. I think I can't give it away because then it's gone. Rather than if I give it away, ah, it multiplies. Kingdom economics, kingdom mass. So now we look at another tribe. And this tribe is in northern Greece. And they have a radically different approach. And this tribe is the early Macedonian church. And uh, they have got a generosity mentality, which is marked because they've understood the grace of God and they've been transformed by it. And they, they know the generosity of God and they want to model this God that gave their only son, gave his only son. And they want it to be worked out in their lives. And so the first thing we see here in verse two is remarkable. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Okay, their generosity has got nothing to do with the fact that life's going well for them. Okay? In fact, it isn't going well for them. Right? There are trials in this world, there are severe trials in this world, and there are very severe trials. And that's what they've got, very severe trials. Life is really difficult for them. And yet, they well up with this rich generosity. And then it goes on and it says, their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So their generosity had absolutely nothing to do with them having a lot. Okay? It's not like they had a bit spare and thought, oh, we can, we can hand that on. They had nothing. There was a Sunday school teacher who'd well trained her kids on, uh, on missionary work. And uh, she said to them one day, said, okay guys, so if we had a million pounds, would we give it to the missionaries? And they all said, yeah, we'd love to give it to the missionaries. And she's thinking, great, what a great teacher I am. And she said, what about a thousand pounds? You know, would we give a thousand pounds to the missionaries? Yeah, we give a thousand pounds. Would we give a hundred pounds? And they're saying, yeah, of course we give a hundred pounds. And then she says, so, so would we give them one pound? And most of them shouted, yes, except one guy who starts clutching his pocket. And uh, she says, you're not as enthusiastic on this. And what, what's happening, Johnny? He says, uh, 
I've actually got a pound. <laughs> I've actually, suddenly it's reality check. <laughs> I might actually have to give this, this money there. Um, and his hand is glued to his coin. And, uh, and that's what it's like very often in our lives, isn't it? But they give out of this extreme poverty. It says they give as much as they were able and even beyond their ability because they have the mentality of it's, it's only a bean. Have the bean. Okay, grace givers. They've got nothing, it has nothing to do with what they thought they could afford. You know, this tribe of grace tribe, if you like, um, is the ones, they're the ones that Paul lifts up as an example, as a different breed altogether who have grasped what this is all about. And then in verse four it goes on, it says it entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us, urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You know, Monty Python could have written a sketch about this. You know, please let us give. You know, trying to outdo each other in giving. You know, kind of bizarre sort of situation. But their generosity had nothing to do with them being coerced into doing it. They counted it a privilege. Their overflowing joy welled up in rich generosity. And deep down, okay, deep down, don't you want some of that? Don't you, wouldn't you love your heart to be as, as, as kind of as generous and as free as that in our lives. You know, the Macedonians had it. Okay, the Corinthians, hmm, they were a bit social. They didn't really have it, which is why Paul's writing to them and using the Macedonians. And the Mazatec Indians, they really don't have it. Okay, where are we? Where are we? Verse seven, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And, and Paul gives loads of other helpful insights into you know, how, how we can be affected, how we can be changed, how we can think through uh, giving uh, in our lives. There's great principles in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Back in 1 Corinthians 16, there's so much on there. There's stuff about you know, giving regularly. You know, these guys are always looking out for things. Uh, in church life, you know, thinking about every week, every, every month, how do we give, how do we give? Um, giving according to our ability. Uh, you know, not so that we're in complete poverty ourselves, but according to our ability, proportional giving that increases as, as our wealth and our, our blessing increases in that way. Sacrificial giving, you know, intentional giving, not, be, not giving just out of guilt, um, but actually having thought through how I want to put my money into things in all of that, deciding in advance, doing it voluntarily, doing it cheerfully. You know, God loves a cheerful giver, that there's, there's, there's joy in this adventure. You know, to see the need and to give into that. Faith-filled giving, you know, that we, we faith in, in all of that. So much in these verses, this new perspective. Um, you just put the PowerPoint back up and uh, all of that. Uh, new perspective, new generosity. And just the last thing I want to talk about is a, a new uh, currency. Are we there? Brilliant. Let me flick through. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, okay, so a new currency. You know, what does this new currency look like? What is, what is this true riches? So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So what is this new currency? Well, we can exchange our worldly wealth, we can invest our worldly wealth in these true riches. And uh, back in Luke 16, Jesus says this, he says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for ourselves. So that when it's gone, or when it fails, or when we die, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. 
Okay, those who welcome us in heaven will be those that are there because we've, we've put our money into something that's helped them get there. We've put our time into something that's helped them get there. You know, we've, you know, like the woman on the bus. You know, if, she, if we meet her in heaven, it's because somebody invested on an advert on a bus or somebody gave her a booklet or, do you know, it's that sort of thing. You know, we're to use worldly wealth to spread the gospel because we know that's what God wants in our lives. To support the ministry of the church. You know, to use money to bless others that opens them up to the love of God for themselves. Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay, eternal treasure, true riches. Because ultimately, we're not defined by what we have on earth. We're ultimately, we're defined by what we have in heaven. And there's a way that we can exchange, if you like, for those true riches in how we use uh, our, our worldly wealth. Um, there was a farmer um, who won, every year he won for um, his award-winning corn. He grew this amazing corn. And uh, every year he would go to the, uh, the, you know, the, the agricultural festival and he'd get his, his corn would win first prize every year. And a newspaper got wind of this and wanted to know what his secret was. And um, so he said, so you don't know. He said, well, what I do is uh, I give all my neighbors, all the neighboring farms, my best seed. And the newspaper thinks that's a bit weird. You give your best seed, surely that's, you know, it means you're not gonna win, you know, somebody else might win. And he says, no, don't you realize? He says, well, the, the winds and the insects pick up the pollen from the ripening corn in the, in the other fields and spreads it field to field. So if my neighbors grow inferior corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. So if I'm to grow good corn, I need to make sure that my neighbors are growing good corn. Different mentality. Let's pray and uh, maybe the bands can come up. Father, we simply come before you this morning and in a sense we want to ask you to reboot our thinking. Lord, I pray that you would change my thinking, that you would give me the paradigm that you have. Lord, mark me with your grace. Grow this gift of generosity in each one of us. Break the power that materialism has on our lives. And even this morning, Lord, we give you permission to unearth that scarcity mindset that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.